Okay, we're going to begin this story. It's called Buying Northcote. This is, it took place in 1984, and this is um, a story from It's a Room Life, Book 4, Volume 1, Northcote, 1984-1994. A brief outline of events to date are that my business had failed and Ruth and I had to sell Ivy House at New Bolingbroke, a most beautiful and desirable Georgian country residence with its extensive 200-foot-long maltings attached and a stable block and a modern commercial vehicle workshop at the rear and our home for the previous 14 years. The already unhappy circumstances were overshadowed by an unpleasant court action which had to be resolved and then the task of finding a new home with no savings and me with no job. Our only income coming from Ruth's job as the theatre sister at the Grace, Grace Swan Hospital at Spilsby. The actual end of ECYB transport was marred by physical violence as the drivers who were working for me at the time had agreed to take over part of the old established UK-wide tyre transport business including the finance of my best asset, the firm's beautiful MAN box van lorries. These vehicles I had purchased two years previously with the intention of keeping them for perhaps ten years. They were the creme de la creme of commercial vehicles, very expensive initially, but built to last. There were just there were just there was just one year of finance left to pay on them, and their book value was considerable. Two of the drivers had conspired to take over these assets for no payment to me, and during the time I was organising the auction sale of my worldly goods at Northcote, they contrived their plan. Picture the following. It all had to go, with no real income and moving costs to find. Christmas would soon be upon us, and we really needed some cash to live on. The scene of the auction at Ivy House, our horse-drawn vehicles collection, and at the bottom, my last Jaguar, the 1968 S-Type 3.8 with wire wheels. The day I returned after the auction, they confronted me with wooden clubs and threatened me most assuredly with physical violence if I did not leave their premises immediately and with no further argument. In fact, I had to take shelter with my neighbouring traders on the site and call the police to get me away. I've, nearly, I've never ever been so close to real violence ever before, certainly never aimed specifically at myself. It had been too easy for them. I had informed all my clients of the change and all the dealings with the finance of the lorries had been transferred and finalised. I was locked out and had no option but to try legal help. Eventually, legal aid was granted and my solicitors began negotiations with my driver's solicitors. Frustration. Needless to say, as the months passed, my solicitors managed to make a pig's ear of their task. As the 12 months came closer, I asked them specifically to ensure that the drivers could not sell the lorries. I asked for a court order to be imposed on the vehicles. As my, All my solicitor managed to do was obtain an agreement from the driver's solicitors that they would not sell the lorries. I could read their minds. I knew at the bottom of everything they were after the pot of gold. True to form, at the end of those 12 months, the business I had created and had been taken over from me turned to dust. 
the driver's solicitors lost contact with their clients, the business ceased to trade and the lorries disappeared from the face of the earth. The final assets of nearly £25,000 were gone. £25,000 in 1985 was a deal of money. The drivers took it, I'd lost it, and my solicitors had no defendants to fight. While all this was going on, I'd tried to earn a crust doing what I knew best, selling tyres. I'd created a small firm dealing in second-hand commercial tyres. Throughout the county, all the smaller commercial vehicle operators were trying to keep their costs down and were keen to save on tyre costs wherever possible. I had old established contacts in the trade who could supply me with first-class part-used Michelin lorry tyres with several millimetres of tread remaining. Michelin tyres were and still are the industry standard, very expensive when brand new and in high demand second-hand. I travelled my old Firestone sales area, seeking out the smaller lorry operators who would, I knew, be prepared to pay for what I had to offer. The business made a crust, as it were. Sim supply, supply to me was limited, but remained sufficient for me to keep head above water while negotiations for sale of Ivy House continued. Ruth and I were obviously looking for a new home in which to live. Ruth did just... did just did not want to leave Ivy House and it was only from time to time that I could get her to concentrate on seeking somewhere else where she just did not watch to go. The whole episode was very traumatic. The mortgage. After a few favourable properties were cast aside we settled on Northcote at Great Steeping mainly because time was running out and we just had to get out of Ivy House. The house at Northcote was truly tiny, but had five acres of land and a few broken down buildings. Ruth said it was fine for the horses we had managed to keep, but for us it was more than a test of our endurance. All that remained for me was to find the money to pay for it. Our beautiful house in New Bolingbroke had been sold to Alan and his wife Ruth. Alan was the youngest of the three brothers left running the family engineering business and had always said to us that he would dearly like to buy the house if we ever moved. After the ECYB bank had been paid from the sale of Ivy House, we had about £10,000 left, certainly better than I had hoped. The price of Northcote was 40000 I had to obtain a mortgage. The building society we had been using for Ivy House would not take on an agricultural property, so I had to find another building society. I chose the Leeds, and duly applied for my mortgage. Here I found that I was truly forced into a corner, as I had to supply details of my job, employer, income and prospects. All my business mail was still being redirected to a de delightful little old lady who ran the sub-post office close to my old ECYB address. Hurdle 1. My employer had an address. Hurdle 2 was my employer did have a business established and business stationery. There was somewhere the building society could write to and obtain details of my employment. I did truly not set out to deceive. It was just all there and I really needed that mortgage. Without it I was sunk without trace. My family would not have a home and my life would be unbelievably difficult. I went ahead and applied for the mortgage. 
The Building Society letter arrived in my business post and I replied giving all the details I required about myself. I was just making best use of what was at hand. After all, I felt that our family had gone through hell in the last few months. I was still going through huge difficulties that Ruth did not know about. The demonic farmer who had begun civil proceedings against me for personal spite was still pressing. We needed some luck. The mortgage went through and we made plans to move. But how to move the results of 14 years living in one place was the next problem. The move. I still had access to some of the old ECYB assets that my former driver adversaries thought useless and of no value. They were a roadworthy 16-ton Leyland Mastiff rigid demount, demount box carrying lorry with no tax or insurance and there were several large demountable container boxes that the lorry could pick up off the ground and take to another location. They were all on a plot of land close to the old business address. My landlord there was Alan Rundle's eldest brother and he did not all, he and I did not all see eye to eye and he was pressurising me to move the old junk. The plan. During the Second World War, Northcote, our new home, had been on the very edge of a Lancaster bomber base, RAF Spilsby, and was the site for the WAF accommodation unit. There was ample space for this junk on the concrete area at the far side of our new property. I made plans to move the lorry and its boxes one by one, but on the way, filling them with all our remaining worldly goods from Ivy House. My plan was that the boxes could hold the furniture etc and we could dig it all out at the new home bit by bit. The boxes could provide storage for us and give us time to think. A grand plan indeed. I had to choose my travel time carefully, not wishing to be caught breaking the law intentionally. I had no chance of being able to make the Leyland lorry road legal. I could not even access its paperwork. It was difficult enough finding the bits and pieces to make it go. Over a period of two weeks, I made surreptitious journeys from New Bolingbroke to Northcote at 6am precisely each morning, just as dawn was breaking and I had sufficient light to move. I chose all the quietest back roads, knowing there would be little or no other traffic at that time. Four boxes were moved, each 29 feet long, 10 feet high and 8 feet wide. There was more than sufficient space to hold all our bits and pieces and we made it without incident. At Easter 1984 we officially arrived at the Northcote property and during the time of the move Alan's middle brother Ken contacted me, contacted me to ask me to work for their family firm for the next year or so. Our look had changed. There are more stories to listen to around about this time. One is Dean on at Beaver Castle. And the next one is Northcote, 1984 and onwards. Now then, there's all these stories you can listen to on this Buzzsprout site. And they're all compiled in books. And the books you can see and download free of charge. The links are uh, on our Cracker Books Facebook page. Thank you for listening.